Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Breakfast special. Singapore's third political leadership transition is currently in the works, with Prime Minister Lee Hsien Lung set to hand over the reins to Deputy Prime Minister Lawrence Wong between now and the People's Action Party's 70th birthday in November next year. At the PAP Awards and Convention over the weekend, PM Lee stressed that the leadership transition for any country is always tricky and called on party members to give DPM Wong and the 4G team their fullest support. In concluding his speech, PM Lee grew visibly emotional and fought back tears as he spoke about his tenure as PM and calling to serve Singaporeans. Let's listen to a snippet. It has been my great fortune It has been my great fortune and honour to have served the country, first in the SAF and then in the party and government for all of my adult life. I've been PM for almost 20 years. Singapore and the PAP have been thoroughly transformed, shaped by our many trials and tribulations. But some things never change. We still wear whites. We still formally address one another as comrades. We remain dedicated to Singapore. And we still feel the call of duty to serve people. And we still have the duty to future generations to keep this island safe and secure. These things have not changed under my watch, and they will not change under the 4G team. That was Prime Minister Lee Hsien Lung speaking at the annual PAP Awards and Convention over the weekend. For more insights on the leadership transition, we're joined by former nominated member of Parliament, Eugene Tan, who's an Associate Professor of Law at Singapore Management University. Eugene, thank you so much for your time. Welcome. Good morning, Ryan. Uh, Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Good to have you on the show. Now, Eugene, nearly 40 years in government, almost two decades as Prime Minister. Which parts of PM Lee's speech on Sunday stood out for you? And what kind of legacy would you say he's leaving behind for his successor, DPM Wong? When we look at Mr. Lee's long tenure uh, in politics, um, I think it would be fair to say that you know, there is no policy which um, you know, doesn't bear his fingerprints. And so when he talks about how the country has been transformed, I think because we see it every day, we may not be aware of the transformation. And it's often the case that only when visitors come and they tell you about how the fiscal landscape, the morale of the people has changed, you know, that you then realize, you know, that, that much has happened, you know, over the last 20 years that PM Lee has been in politics. Um, when we talk about his speech, I think different parts would stand out to people for, for different reasons. But I think what stood out for me was really, you know, Mr. Lee expressing, you know, that firm commitment to continue to win Singaporeans over. And I think that's something that, again, Singaporeans may take for granted. But I think it reflects the reality of politics, you know, that a party that is in power can do a good job, but it will continuously always need to remind people about, you know, why is it important to be able to garner the support. And I think here we're looking at a party, you know, that has governed Singapore since 1959. And so that sort of tendency to take things for granted on the part of both the voters as well as the PAP, you know, is something that we'll need continual working on. Yeah, Eugene, that's a great overview. So we've got the leadership that's set to be handed over to DPM Wong before the next general election, which has to be called by November 2025. Now that the timeline is clearer, what do you expect in the coming months when it comes to the processes? 
In terms of processes, you know, I, I think we, we can expect the Electoral Boundaries Review Committee to be formed if it already hasn't been, been created. So this is a committee that will review the electoral boundaries and recommend whether changes to the boundaries should be made, whether there should be new electoral districts, for example. I think but that's, that's really just the process leading up to the general election. But I think within the government, I think we can expect a cabinet reshuffle, uh, certainly before the end of this year. Or rather, you know, if it's not before the end of this year, then possibly in the first quarter of 2024. And within the party, I think, you know, they've gone into election mode. And so we can expect within the party selection process to be ramped up and also for candidates, you know, to be informally introduced on the ground rather than wait to the formal introduction. I think as it is, there are already media reports of possible candidates already walking the ground and serving in their different constituencies. All right, we know that DPM Wong was endorsed as the leader of the party's fourth generation or 4G team last year after the 62-year-old Mr. Heng Sui Kiat stepped aside so that a younger leader with a longer runway could take over. So how different is DPM Wong compared with his predecessors? Mr. Wong, if he becomes prime minister, you know, would be the first prime minister to be born after uh, independence. So I think that's something which uh, the sort of third world to first world transformation may not be so evident to people born post-independence. But I think what is more important, you know, really is that here we're looking at a leadership that is very conscious that the electorate has evolved over the years. You know, it's not just enough for the government, the ruling party to govern well, but to also be able to explain to people why certain policies are needed why sometimes, you know, bitter medicine, you know, would have to be taken. I think, you know, we'll see in Mr. Lawrence Wong, you know, the theme of change and continuity. Continuity because he is very much cut from the same cloth that many of the PAP leaders are. But I think change because I I think he is very aware, you know, that voters' aspirations have changed. They would want the PAP to govern, but at the same time, you know, they also want a more competitive and diverse political landscape. So the party will have to evolve, right? And Mr. Wong, you know, as the prime minister in waiting and the party leader in waiting, you know, will have to be able to shift, um, you know, the party and government to be aligned with voters' aspirations, but also not just follow or to adapt, but also to mold the thinking and aspirations of Singaporeans. Talking about potential changes, PMB talked at length about current challenges and highlighted that many things can go awry when it comes to leadership transitions for any country. Could you explain what PM might be referring to there and what must DBM Wong and his 4G team do to ensure that that doesn't happen? Well, transitions are always challenging, particularly in the Singapore context where there are plans that have been put in place, you know, over the years. In many respects, you know, we take succession very seriously, um, you know, whereas I think in other countries, you know, it tends to be left to the ballot boxes to decide, you know, who are the leaders that will come through. But I think here, when we look at, um, you know, PM Lee's concern, I think, you know, it very much, you know, reflects what happens if, you know, the PAP doesn't do well. What if the core team of the 4G leadership, what if some of them don't get elected? And so here there is the need for them to be able to impress upon Singaporeans that nothing should be taken for granted and that the party and government, they too are not taking anything uh, for granted. I think when we look at the concern with things going awry, I think here it's a situation where, you know, what if in this transition things don't turn out as planned or what if, you know, the PAP doesn't do as well, what would be the impact on Singapore? So I think those are the concerns that uh, the Prime Minister, you know, was trying to get Singaporeans to consider. But I think it is ultimately crucial 
um, you know, for the PAP government, you know, to demonstrate why it is still deserving of, you know, a very strong mandate. And I think that would be the task at hand. And that was really the rallying cry that uh, the party leaders had for the party faithful last Sunday. All right, Eugene, Prime Minister Lee Hsien Lung has also emphasised the, that the possibility of the PAP being challenged for the position of the ruling party is always there, but that the political dynamic will change if enough Singaporeans want the PAP to be checked by the opposition and more opposition MPs are voted into parliament. Should that scenario take place, would that be more positive or negative for the nation as a whole, taking into account not just the fact that some countries or other countries rather have a high proportion of opposition Position MPs in cabinet, but also considering the geographical size of Singapore. I would say that, you know, we need to, in the final analysis, you know, consider why voters voted the way they did after the next general election. Whether we have more opposition MPs or not, you know, is in a way value neutral. I think it really boils down to why voters voted for them. If voters voted for them, you know, despite their not being as competitive as, as the PAP candidates, then I think, you know, the quality of governance could potentially suffer. But if voters feel that the opposition candidates are equal to the task of being MPs and voters assess them to be capable, then I think, you know, with more opposition MPs, that need not necessarily uh, be a bad thing, right? So I think in the end, it's really a question of each party being able to make their case. And a more competitive political landscape, you know, one that has more opposition MPs, you know, need not necessarily be bad for Singapore, you know. But what PAP leaders were emphasizing on Sunday was what if there were going to be a significant change in the makeup of, of parliament? Uh, you know, what sort of signals might that send to investors? Would it be a positive one or would it be a negative one? So I think it's a case in which, um, you know, all parties were to make their case. And when we look at election contests, you know, it really boils down to who can persuade better voters to as to who they should cast their ballots for. All right. You spoke about the EBRC earlier. Several MPs are now out of action following a series of scandals, both in the PAP and Workers' Party wards. Do you expect then a redrawing of boundaries, especially in those electoral divisions, the likes of Marine Parade, West Coast and Sun Kang? And which MPs do you think might possibly be moved into those key areas, which were also hotly contested uh, during the last general election? We can expect electoral boundaries to to be adjusted, uh, you know, in in every election, right? Because what the EBRC tries to do is to ensure that a certain ratio of you know MP to voters would be maintained, so that MPs in a way have a sort of a more or less uh, equal workload in terms of the number of residents that they have to serve. So we can expect boundaries to shift. But what is really more crucial is you know for the EBRC to explain you know why the boundaries are adjusted, right? Particularly in constituencies where we can expect to be a keen contest. Um, you know, the EBRC typically doesn't touch the boundaries of, you know, wards that are, or constituencies that are being held by the opposition. But I think with voters now a lot more discerning or, or a lot more questioning, I think it becomes important for the EBRC in their report to carefully explain why the changes are there, you know. So we will see, you know, changes in personnel uh, where the ruling party is concerned, you know, for the key GRCs, you know, such as West Coast and and Marine Parade. And I think it's probably still too early to say who they might deploy, um, but we can expect the ruling party as well as, you know, their their opposition counterparts, you know, to, to feel very competitive teams in this hotly contested constituencies. 
Yeah, Eugene, you'll be remiss if you don't bring this up. So the 4G leaders will engage PAP activists in the coming months. And keep in mind that the Forward Singapore report that the government just released not too long ago, what changes do you think the PAP's 4G leadership team has to make when it comes to aligning its outreach, messages and strengthening of the party's organisation to gain the mandate of voters in, in this time of evolving priorities? Well, I think this is one in which, you know, you have a situation where I think there's a sense within the party leadership that the party activists uh, could do more, um, you know, to try to explain to voters significant changes in policy, right? So I think that the thinking is the party machinery can supplement, um, you know, what the government is doing in terms of communications and outreach. So here, I think, again, is that rallying call, you know, that the party must in a way, think of itself as a startup, a, a new party, right? And to be able to explain and persuade voters, uh, you know, why the party deserves, you know, to continue to have their support. So I think that was why when, when, uh, Mr. Lawrence Wong, you know, spoke about strengthening the party's organization, the need to align its outreach and messages. Uh, and I think Mr. Wong laid out, you know, his plans, you know, uh, for the party activists to be better resourced, you know, to be able to do this sort of uh, party activity um, you know, I, I think I think it, it, it is an important aspect of you know a, a party that has been in power for so long to be able to think of itself as, as a startup. You know, think of itself as you know the need to win every vote and not assume you know that just because it has done a good job, um, you know that voters would automatically gravitate towards it. All right, Eugene, thank you so much for your time and insights. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. We've been in conversation with Eugene Tan, former nominated member of parliament, also an associate professor of law at Singapore Management University. Of course, we were discussing Singapore's third political leadership transition. It is taking place between now and the PAP's 70th birthday, November 21st next year. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.